Welcome to another fascinating episode of Resilient Entrepreneurs, the podcast that explores the stories and strategies behind successful entrepreneurs in the hope that something you hear will leave you a little richer in your business. We're your hosts, Vicky and Laura, and today we are excited to introduce sales trailblazer, Raina Salmon. Dr. Raina stumbled into sales more than a decade ago. She was a research nerd in her own words and became fascinated by the art and science of selling, along with the ethical responsibility that comes with it. Can't wait to get into that side of the conversation. And as a consultant entrepreneur, Raina has authored a book this year to help people sell. And she does that for a living. She helps us all sell better. So if you're a person who thinks sales is a dirty word, tune in and you just might be thinking differently within the hour. And if you love selling, this episode will surely fascinate you. Welcome, 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 Raina. Thank you for having me, Vicky and Laura. I am super excited to be here and really talk about one of my favorite topics is, is how do we sell? How do we sell value? So thank you for having me. Oh, I like that. How do we sell value? I think this is going to be a great conversation and one that entrepreneurs need to have because a lot of us don't like sales. And I'm going to say us because I'm kind of in that category a little bit too. So I'm really excited about where we go with this. Um, but first, before we get too deep into that, uh, so much of who we are and who we become is shaped by our childhood experiences. So tell us what we need to know to really understand sort of who you are now and your journey to entrepreneurship. I love this question. I totally agree with you. I was born in Beirut, Lebanon, the suburbs of Beirut, um, and lived there for the first 11 years of my life, and then immigrated to the United States when I was 11. Uh, we came here for the dream. Uh, my parents sacrificed a lot to get us here. If anyone know the history, uh, when I was uh, the first 11 years of my life in Lebanon, there was a civil war. So I got to experience some of that uh, hardships, but I was uh, always surrounded by by such a loving family and parents that really believe in in their kids uh, doing something in their lives. And so when we came to the United States, um, our goal was to how do we go after our dreams? And my dad and my mom made it clear that the sky is the limit; that no one can hold you back. It is in your control, but it does require hard work and discipline. And my parents uh, demonstrated that they were very very hardworking. And seeing that as a child, I recognize that in order for me to go after my dreams, it's not just about talking about it. It's also about putting in the time, the effort, the work, the sacrifices uh, to get there. So definitely our childhood helps us, uh, makes us who, helps us in becoming who we are, especially with the values and, and what we learn from our parents. Oh, yes. And I feel like you must have seen the worst of humanity and also been blessed with the best of humanity in the way that your parents, their attitudes and their approach to life having come through such trauma. So the, the great news is that I, man, we were so blessed because we, we weren't as impacted as other families, right? Where we didn't lose family members, where my parents always found a way to find a job. And you'll see that in the first chapter of my book, where my dad always was able to find a job to help feed us, to help make sure that we're okay, to help us recognize that there is a lot of hope. And also we saw the best of humanity in both worlds. The United States, when we came here, uh, teachers believed in us. Like we were four kids that um, 
were trying to fit in and trying to figure out this system. And yet there was so much goodness in people in the Midwest and the United States that were so helpful in making sure that one, uh, we are fitting in, that we are loved, that we are getting the help that we need. I couldn't be where I'm at today without my teachers. And I say that in my thank you in my book, uh, because they're the ones that saw something, this little immigrant girl that was fighting because I wanted it so bad. And so, yeah, I, I would say I am very blessed in both worlds that I got to see, yes, some challenges, but I think like you all talk about in Resilient Entrepreneurs, um, we can't be where we are today without facing some form of adversities that we have to overcome and learn from. Uh, not saying that that it's all good and, and, and Pollyanna, but life is about challenges. And, and the more we, we look at challenges as opportunities to learn and grow, uh, I think that the better entrepreneurs we will become. Yeah, absolutely. A therapist once told me that children having challenges sets them up for success later in life because they've already overcome things that kids that grow up in that Pollyanna perfect world where parents just manage everything and everybody's happy and it's easy, easy. And maybe there's wealth in the family and there's no worries there. Those kids have a lot harder challenges when they get out into the real world because they've never had to build any resilience as a kid. So there is an advantage of having a bit of childhood trauma, believe it or not. Yes, I'm going to you know, be honest. I never had trauma, so I'm very blessed, right? So I can't talk to anyone who had severe trauma. But I think challenges and being tested, I've been tested. That's part of the whole journey of being an immigrant, recognizing that you got to work much harder than a lot of other people, just from a language perspective, right, Laura and, and Vicky, and yeah. uh, also recognizing that I don't know the system. I don't know how to navigate. My parents didn't know about SATs and that I needed tutoring, and we didn't have the means for that. So all of that was for me, kind of learning and figuring it out. And granted, I wasn't the smartest one, but man, I developed the grit and I recognized that the way I can win is I can outwork anyone and that I had the grit that if I'm going to fall, I'm going to get back right back up and we're going to figure it and keep doing it till we get it. And I think that's part of when you're raised in an environment where things are not given to you. And the word hustle is not the most positive word, but to me, it is about the hustle. You're going after your dreams. You got to be creative. You got to be scrappy. As long as you do it in an ethical way, you don't hurt people and you do the right thing for your customers. So that's kind of where I think my journey and learning how to navigate and being an immigrant and, and also paying it forward, just like you all are doing, right? We've all been there. So it's also about paying it forward to others that are trying to figure it out. Oh, yes. And the recipe for success in selling. So you've just written this book this year, and I bet a number of those lessons that you've just described are packed into that book full of value. And what, what would you say are the top three things a person must do or must know to be successful in that hustle game of selling? Yeah, I think understanding your customers, like your buyer persona, who are you selling to and what problems are you trying to solve? 
and staying laser focused. When you're an entrepreneur and what I've learned, I was raised with entrepreneurs that had restaurants and car dealerships. And uh, if you're an immigrant, you always have these family members that have. So I learned also about selling and about understanding your buyers. Know who you're targeting. Know what their business, pro what business problems are you trying to solve. Speak their language. Stay laser focused on helping them. And when you land and your first customer, delight them, make sure that you're taking care of them, make sure that you deliver and over deliver on your promise. Because what you need is this one customer that then they can refer you to others in their network. And then you start growing and growing and doing the right thing. People want to work with people that are honest. People want to work with people that are also that will say, hey, you may not need this, but you may consider this. Another thing, Vicky and Laura, that I would tell entrepreneurs is qualify out quickly. If you recognize this is not the right customer for you, um, hope is not a strategy. I think as entrepreneurs, when we start, we have these happy years. Uh, we need to make sure that we are spending that, our time in the right places. And as you progress in your practice, you're going to recognize that there's an opportunity cost when you're spending time with the wrong buyers. Now, again, as entrepreneurs, when you start your business, you got to test and you're going to have to learn, right? Like I've learned a lot of lessons where, okay, yeah, maybe this is not my buyer persona. Okay, now let me focus. Let me take this learning and now stay focused and, and really look at my package and improve and, and improve it. And, and that's where selling value becomes really important, right? Value is about putting the customers at the center of everything we do. So when you identify your buyers who are going to see value in your solution, now you got to learn more about them. Now you got to prepare and understand these buyers. And then you got to reach out to them. And that's where you also need to start building your social selling brand, your brand on LinkedIn, on wherever your buyers are. And then you start building that familiarity and you find something, a reason, a compelling reason of why you want to meet with them. And you're speaking their language. And when you meet with them, that's when you got to bring in your research. You got to say something about their business. And then you got to share insights. They want to know, like you guys are amazing marketers, right? So when you're meeting with your bot, with your prospects, they want to know insights about what's happening in this industry. People are trying living in this hybrid world. How can you help me, right? How can you help me increase brand awareness? How can you help me increase brand recognition? How can you help me convert these leads? That's what we need to do. Speak their language, share insights, share customer stories, create customized solution and make sure that we're actively listening to our buyers. And that's what sales is hard and entrepreneurs for us is hard because we're passionate toward what we're doing. So we show up and I call it show up and throw up. You show up and you throw up how great your product is. And the buyer is saying, but you don't know anything about me. You're, you haven't even asked me questions about what I need. And so that's where, where also it's really important that we're listening. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your thoughts on niching? Because it's really hard to speak the language of so many different things, right? Absolutely. And, and that's where you got to customize. Absolutely believe. And data shows us that we, our customers wants us to personalize that communication. Our customers want us to understand their business needs. And that's where those buyer personas becomes important, right? Like if you're selling to a VP of operations in a small startup versus a someone, a VP, a CRO of a Fortune 500 organization, they have different language to speak, different needs. And also the industry that you're speaking to, healthcare versus IT 
versus uh, uh, health, uh, versus higher ed, they have different nuances and we need to be able to speak their language. Uh, yeah, so I agree with you, Cora, yeah. So getting to know your customer is something that we all know needs to be done. What tips do you have for our listeners to really understand that? I mean, is it going out there and networking with people who could be potential clients and asking them what they need? What, what is this body of research you talk about? And I will note that you, in your own words, you described yourself as a research nerd. So I'm wondering how much science is behind this, Raina? I think so. When I started selling, I'm not going to give up my age. I, I've been doing this for close to 20 years now. We didn't have a lot of what we have now in terms of information. Now, in today's world, we have so much information about our buyers. Uh, so, for example, if you're meeting with an organization at a minimum level, you got to look at the person's LinkedIn profile. You got to look at the company website. Uh, you got to look at if you're going after a public company, you got to be familiar with their earning call earning calls and really understand more about their business. And you got to connect the dots. Now, the beauty about where we're at today is we have AI tools now that can help it even be more efficient, right? So, for example, how are we using Chat GPT as an assistant in our research? How are we using other tools like Perplexity and other tools that are out there that can really help us in, in quickly understanding the buyer and the industry and then going on social media such as LinkedIn and other social media where your buyers are and understanding about the human themselves. You can learn so much when you look at someone's profile, their posts, who they're connected to, because guess what? You may be connected to someone that they're connected to. So that's this common connection that helps build trust and social proofing, especially if you've worked with their connection. You can also find common causes that you both care about to help build that rapport, as well as you're, as you're looking at the organization and some of their posts. You can also identify some compelling events that are happening that you can tie your conversation to, because at the end of the day, what you want to do, you want to be relevant to the human in front of you. No one wants to talk to a person that all they talk about is how great their product is and have a slide filled with great logos. The customer, the buyer is thinking, well, that doesn't apply to me. Uh, and so doing that research, doing that upfront background preparation helps you in standing out from the crowd. And we all know that we need to do that, but it is one of the things that's not being done uh, because people try to cut corners. Trust the process. The sales process starts with that planning and with that preparation. And we got to make sure that we are doing that to differentiate ourselves. Yeah. And I think it's the humanity of it is exactly it, right? Really, it's building relationships. It's it's respect of your client. Yeah. Right. And oh, you're so right, Laura. Respect, right? And this is what I, I want to tell your listeners. It's a gift to land an appointment with a buyer, with a prospect, even if they end up not buying from you. They are taking that time with you. Time is finite, right? That is the only thing I can't get back. And when I have an executive saying, yes, out of all of the salespeople that have reached out to me right now, I want to meet with you. That is a gift that we need to make sure that it is that we are not taking it for granted. And the way we show up matters. And when you talk about respect, that includes first impression matters. That includes, do you have an agenda? Do you have, what about your artificial communication? 
the way you show up, your attire, are you sending the message that is saying, I am here to help you. I have taken a time to address in a professional manner to show you that I am here to help you. Another thing is your attitude, right? People want to buy from people that have positive attitude. There's research around how attitude impacts our performance, but it also impacts other people's performance. It's contagious. So how are you showing up through these Zoom calls with a problem-solving mindset and helping your buyers and respecting their time and adding value? Really great point. Thank you for pointing that out. And so you've just spoken about human relationships. Let's go back for a second to the AI tools. Discuss a little bit more of some of the tools that you find useful that entrepreneurs who may be in a small team, they haven't scaled their business, they're looking to just do a lot of these sales calls and outreach themselves. Any great hot tips? For them and how so, are you so using chat gpt effectively great great question so so i'll share with you i mean free also free tools i mean the idea of, of being an entrepreneur is you're all you're scrappy right you, you may not have the tools to buy um and so it, uh, using chat gpt as your assistant is something that i would recommend what you don't want to do is you don't want to lose your voice so if you're using chat gpt start a draft and you and then put it in there and ask for their input or ask to improve it and then bring it back and also go back and forth as if they are your editors as if you are working with someone where you're trying to improve it so they can learn your voice so that's one we also need to be aware that the data is up to 2021 so there are things that may be missing after that uh, with chat gpt uh, another thing and it's not an ai tool but or or at least not yet is is just using google Googling someone's name and putting it in parentheses and clicking the news section and seeing have they been in the news lately and what is important to them. You'll be surprised of the information that you'll find. And I'm not saying read them all, just read the titles. And if you're meeting with a, a VP or senior director that just presented at a conference and they interviewed them and they have a highlight about it, wow, wouldn't it be nice to start the conversation saying, wow, I just read your most recent interview with CIO Magazine. And one of the things you mentioned is that you're working on X, Y, and Z, digital transformation. I understand from my customers that these are some of the things they're going through. through. Tell me more about your experience. Wow, how does that change the conversation, right? Now it's about you. So even as simple as using Google, there's another tool that I uh, use, it's called Perplexity. Uh, and Perplexity, what I like about it, and it's free, is you ask it a question, it's gonna answer it in bullet points, so it's easy for me to scan, but as a researcher, it also gives me links to the resources where it found the, the answer. So it goes all out in the internet and brings pulls that information. And it also gives you um, specific uh, follow-up recommended questions, so things that you may not have thought of. So that's another tool. And then there's AI Prompt Genius. And AI Prompt Genius helps you. It's a, it's a free extension with ChatGPT that it helps you create smart prompts and you can save them. So for example, if you're an entrepreneur and you are targeting maybe two different industries, you can create this smart prompt where you can change those industries and get all of that information really quickly. And so those are some of the tools, of course, LinkedIn, and I don't work for them. I don't have get, get anything out of it, 
but it is a tool that if you are an entrepreneur, you need to be using it and you need to not be afraid to go out there and start building that brand because that's how you're going to connect with people. The thing about psychology, there's something called the law of familiarity. And what you're trying to do in sales as an entrepreneur is you're trying to become a familiar face. And, and social is a way to build that familiarity, to build that awareness. So when I reach out to you, Laura or Vicky, I'm not this stranger. You're like, oh man, I, I've seen Raina. It feels like I know her. So let's give her a, yeah, it's more, it's a higher chance of them saying, yeah, she gives me a compelling reason to meet with her. I'll give her a 15 or 20 minutes. Uh, and, and also every entrepreneur need to be selling their product. They need to be their first salesperson because if you can't sell your product, how are you going to train the new seller that's coming in? You got to be the one meeting with the, with those sales, uh, with those uh, executives and those buyers and make that sale, right? And not be afraid of selling. Selling is a noble profession. If you have your mindset is about solving problems, solving problems. Mm. Such sage advice. Now with LinkedIn, I think all of our listeners are probably getting them, those cold, call, cold contacts, someone from out of the blue saying, hey, I see we have something in common. By the way, I've got all the stuff to sell you or I can find you 300 leads a week. Why don't you work with us? Let's have the conversation. Yes, let's have the conversation. That's the worst way one can do it. That's where you can hurt your brand. That's where you become a commodity right? Um, when you're trying to get in front of someone, you got to build that familiarity first, right? In my opinion, you got to make sure that you are um, reaching at, looking at their posts, starting showing up on their posts with something that is intentional, something that is helpful. And it's also about when you're reaching out to them, you're reaching out to them with a reason um, and sharing insights and warming up that relationship and then finding a compelling reason of why you're meeting with them. And not about 300 leads. That's that's where we're executives that I interview. That's what turns people off is when you assume that this is the ROI they want. How do you know they want these 300 leads, right? Have you had a conversation with them? So you got to make sure that when you're reaching out and asking for these meetings, you've already started building that familiarity. You start showing up on their post. You're sharing insights that is helpful. You're looking at a strategy of how you can connect with them. Do you know someone that knows someone that can reach out and refer you to them? Or is it there's a, some, a, a real event that happens where when you're reaching out to them, you're starting that conversation with something that is going on that compelled you to reach out and you're not selling. You're, you're just create, creating interest. You're creating interest to help them in terms of sharing insights. And so that's what prospecting is, is landing that sales meeting and creating that interest. You're not there to sell them. People that think prospecting is about sending an email and selling you a product, that's the wrong way. That's where you become a commodity and you go to the spam folder. Yes, the dreaded spam folder where, yeah. yeah. I'm so grateful that you brought up LinkedIn because LinkedIn is such an undervalued platform and people think of it as just a place to get a job, put your resume up, then forget it until you're looking for another job. But it's such an incredible networking space that if done well, can propel you. It's a place where people are willing to take you as a contact where they might not be on other social platforms. If I don't know you, I'm probably not going to add you as a contact on Instagram because that's where I share my family stuff, right? That's more personal, more private. But on LinkedIn, it's professional. And if I kind of know who you are or we have somebody in common, I'm much more likely to accept you as a contact because I'm always thinking networking, great, get to know somebody else. 
And you can use LinkedIn to really start just building relationships in a huge network very easily and in a little bit of time, because that's the beauty. And that's the message I want to get across is the beauty of LinkedIn is one post a week, commenting on other people's posts, giving value, sharing information in your industry, positioning yourself as an expert in what you do. And then when somebody does hear about you or you do make a connection, they're going to go research you. And the first place I research anybody is LinkedIn these days. That's where I want to go. Find out who you are, what you've done. I can sort of see your resume. I get where you've worked. I get an idea of the types of uh, positions you've been in, what industry, what do you talk about? What interests you? Do you take time to give valuable responses? Because you can see all that so easily on LinkedIn. It's an incredible platform. I really wish more people would. Would jump and on I that. Think it, and I'm glad you're mentioning that. And this is where entrepreneurs, it's a it's a kind of a, a field that makes us all equal. No matter if you're small, if you're big, you can, as a human being, and as you're building your brand, it gives you a voice. Uh, one of the things that I would tell your listeners is that as you're updating your profile, uh, make it client facing, optimize it for social selling, meaning Think of your clients that you're going to check your LinkedIn profile, just like you said, Laura, and make it relatable. So when they're reading your summary, when they're looking at your recommendations, they're seeing other customers similar to them are recommending you. And also they're seeing that you are relatable to them and you understand them. Because what you want is for your prospects or folks that you're building those uh, the network with to say, wow, Laura understands my business. I want to compare to other people that are trying to get in front of me. Laura understands it. So I, 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 want, to, I want to give her a, you know, a few minutes to have a conversation. Also, when you're sending a LinkedIn connection, personalize it. Just like you said, what compelled you to want to connect with me? And it's not just because we want to learn from one another, right? Do we share common connections? Do we share, is it something that, that you posted that intrigued me to reach out to you? Or did you comment on my post that really also helped me in recognizing that, hey, you like some of my posts, so why don't we connect, right? Mentioning some of these uh, to create that connection. Thank you, Raina. Thank you so much. And as an entrepreneur yourself, can we maybe switch it a little bit back to the entrepreneurial journey and what it is that you love most about that journey? Oh, I love the solving problems and making an impact. I think you all know that as entrepreneurs yourself, you wake up every day with this, for me, with this hunger of how am I going to help my, my customers, my prospects? Uh, because if you can't sell, you, if you're struggling with selling, that's a big problem for organization. So how can I be one of these key players that can help executives, that can help sellers improve their sales performance? Uh, and also solving problems. I think being an entrepreneur, it's exciting to have a problem and to try to figure it out with your customers of how we're going to solve this. I think in possibilities. And if a problem comes my way, my research brain starts thinking, okay, so how can we fix it? What can we fix? What can we do? And what a success looks like for us. So entrepreneurship for me is about making an impact, always going back to my why, and also solving problems and being creative. Like there's no, I can't do this. The question is, why not? Why not? Mm. I think you've exactly summed up what an entrepreneur is. The person that sees the need, that is creative, 
that has the problem solving mentality because that's it. That's exactly what we do. We see the problem. We're like, we need to solve this. And often the problem is something we started out with, right? That we needed and we solve for somebody else, whether we're creating products or services or helping other businesses solve their problems, no matter what you're doing, it's all those things. And therein is where resilience comes in. And that's what makes a really successful entrepreneur. And that like never give up attitude. The great you talked about earlier, 100% is that. And that's awesome. What would you define success as then? What's what's your definition of that? Yeah, so, so success to me is about perseverance and discipline. So perseverance for me is just keep going, right? You're going to fail. You're not going to let failure define you. You're going to learn from it. You're going to fail fast and fail forward. And this is where you got to think, next chapter versus going back and dwelling on these mistakes that we've all made. I mean, we're humans. How are we going to learn if we don't make these mistakes? But there's also discipline. I think discipline is so important as an entrepreneur. People talk about motivation. Well, sometimes it's hard to be motivated because you're, you're getting a lot of challenges coming your way. But when you have that discipline and that routine and that structure and you're focused on your goal, that helps when there are times when you don't feel motivated. And I think that's really important with entrepreneurs is that to make sure that you have that discipline and that you're building that grit and that perseverance. It's not always, you look at LinkedIn and you see these amazing posts about great successes and great stories. But what people don't talk about is the challenges that come with being an entrepreneur. It's scary. It's lonely at times. And you have to believe in your why to keep going. So those are the two things that I believe uh, I define success. So what do you do to help you stay disciplined? Like, do you have any special routines or things in that you personally do to keep yourself there? Absolutely. Every Sunday, I make sure that I go through what am I going to do in the week? What are my goals that I want to accomplish? I also, every morning I wake up, I go on my run and then I come back and I dress up as if I'm going to meet with a client. I make sure that I am up and going And I have on my calendar, you look at my calendar, I block times for prospecting. I block times for meeting with customers. So those are some of the discipline that I put in place to help in making sure that there is some form of a structure. I've learned that you also have to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. And and I'm the the worst person to talk about that because I'm a workaholic. So it's... uh, and, and when I wrote the, the chapter about mental health and rejection, and I recognize this is an important topic. And for me, it is, is I've been running all my life. I've, I've been started running, I think, when I was seven or eight years old uh, in the mountains of Lebanon, where my grandma was. And I took it with me. And it's the best thing for me because when I'm running every day, it's a space for me to be present and to also just get my energy up and stay and stay focused and, and disciplined. And also surround yourself with good people, with people that pull you up because it is hard, right? And if you're with someone or with a group or whoever you're surrounding yourself with that doesn't pull you up when you're down, it's a hard journey. And that's why you got to also look at your Rolodex of friends and people in your life And that's the time where also you can recognize that maybe they're not the right, some of them are not the right folks in my life. Um, And I think that's important also to do to nourish your soul and to be around people. Like I have 
an amazing husband. I've been with him for 20 some years. And when I'm feeling like, oh my gosh, why can't I just go back to the corporate world and make this big commission check because I know I'm good at what I do. He's the one that comes back and says, but that's your dream. You have a purpose. Let's remind you of your why. And I think that's really important because we're humans. It's very easy to step back and say, am I built for this? Yeah. Has there ever been a time when you nearly quit or went back to the corporate world? I didn't go. No, there are times, of course, there are times when you're questioned, especially when you lose a deal that you worked so hard on, or when you get rejected on something that you truly gave it your all. Of course, we're all humans and our brain and our emotion, our limbic system gets activated. And we're like, man, am I put up for this? Right. The way I address that is number one, I acknowledge my feelings. I think it's important for us to say, you know what? It sucks. It sucks. And then I also give myself when I lose a deal or when I am, when I feel like I failed, I, I give myself a grieving period. I call it 24 hours. And that's when I go run and I get frustrated and ticked and blame. And, uh, but then after that, I analyze and I go, well, what happened? And let's be very honest about what happened. What are some things I did really well, but what, what were some things that are in my control? And I take all that and I then 24 or 48 hours later, I move forward. And that's what I learned as an immigrant, as someone that has hustled all their lives, you got to move forward because if you're going back and dwelling, that's not going to get you to your goal. So yes, so so there are times, uh, but I've never ever thought that I want to go back because it's bigger than me in, in my dreams and, and what I want to do and the impact uh, that we're making. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love that. The person I've been following recently is Cody Sanchez, and she says that it's all hard. No matter what you do, it's hard. Whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're an employee, it's all hard. You just have different challenges. So pick your heart, right? Yeah, that's a good one. Isn't it? I love that. I like wanting to share that. Like it's, it's so true. So, you know, as entrepreneurs, it is more challenging, but when you are living in your purpose, you're focused forward, like you said. So the success comes, whatever success means to you is what it means to you. Whatever wealth means to you is what it means to you. It could be freedom. It could just be enough. You know, and what your enough is, is up to you as well. You know, my enough might be different from your enough. And, you know, the billionaires has a totally different mindset on that. But it's just, we're all working hard, challenged. Um, and it's just picking which level we want to play in. What game do we want to play? Do you want to play this game of entrepreneurship where it can be a whole lot of fun and a much bigger roller coaster than being an employee for a big corporation where you said the commission checks can be sweet, but those golden handcuffs can be tough to get rid of too. So it's just pick your heart, pick which battle you want to fight. Um, and the grit and resilience is important for all of it. So the one final question, yeah, the one final question we have to ask, of course, which I think we've touched on a lot with what you've said, um, but to sum it all up, how do you define resilience? Yeah, resilience to me means the ability um, to bounce back from adversity, no matter how tough the situation is. It's about facing challenges heads on and finding strength. It's about refusing to let failure define. And it's very easy for us, especially if you're an overachiever, you got to have that growth mindset. It's the de determination to learn uh, and grow from these uh, stumbling that we have and always think about, okay, now let me fail fast and fail forward. Something that I've learned early on in my career, learn from it, but don't dwell on it. And, and also, like you said, Laura, um, 
sometimes people try being an entrepreneur and if it's not what they want to do, if it, if it ends up being that, okay, this is not what I want to do. It's okay too, right? It's okay to say, I tried it. The worst thing is that if you're on your deathbed and you say, what if, what if to me, it's, uh, resilience means also to trying things. And if it doesn't, if it's not your heart, right. It's okay to also say, I did it. Now I can say, you know, at the end of my, my life, that I tried it. I tried it. That live without regrets. Yeah. Yeah. As much as possible. Live without regrets. Take the risks. Accept the failures. Move forward. Fail forward fast as possible because every failure is just a lesson. It's just a lesson towards success. It's hard, right? And that's why you also need from a financial perspective, when you're getting to in an entrepreneurship, you also want to make sure that you have the capital because the first few years don't expect to be making you know, the income that you used to make, right? So being also a realist and recognizing that you're going to have to make sacrifices because that predictable revenue is not coming in. Um, and so you got to also plan that as well and, and recognize that you are okay with living less than you used to live. And you also have enough in your savings, in your account to also be able to live, you know, it, it, to pay your expenses. I think there's also a level of, of responsibility that you also need to think through. Yeah. And I think that is so determined on where you are in life at that moment too, what your level of responsibilities are. A 20 year old, 20 year old right out of college, still living in his mom's house, doesn't have that right. level of responsibility of someone that has a family and kids and a mortgage and a lot of other weight on their shoulders. So where you are depends a lot on the level of risk you can take, but I always believe the risk is worth it. And uh, a good quote I read recently is like, uh, Layla Hermosi, Alex Hermosi's wife. If you ever know their story, if you don't go check it out, it's a really interesting story they have, but they lived at a time in her parents' basement. They were broke. They're multi, multi-millionaires now. And she said to her husband, I will live with you under a bridge and keep doing this if we have to. And I'm like, Ooh, yeah. Heart. Yeah. That's passion. That's passion, right? And they did it. They figured it out and worked it through and grit and resilience makes a difference. So thank you so much. This was an incredible conversation. Um, one that we should have more of, uh, especially around sales, because that tends to be a place where people feel a bit uncomfortable. Selling still feels uncomfortable for a lot of people, but you don't have a business if you can't sell it to somebody. Right. So, you know, we all have to do it. <laughs> we got to do the sales and the better we can get at it. Um, knowing that it's about relationships. And I love that message. It's, it is about relationships. It's about that network. It's about being authentic, being real, um, selling something you believe in makes it so much easier. Um, you're not selling somebody else's snake oil medicine. You're selling your thing that you're passionate about that solves a problem that makes an impact. There's not a problem to sell that. Yeah. You gotta um, solve a problem, right? And yeah. that's where, where that passion and that problem solving, I call it competency and character. You have the character and then you have the competency. When you bring those worlds together um, and, and take a customer centric approach, that's what you should look at selling as, not as a car salesperson, a cheesy person trying to push their products on you. Exactly. It's all about the customer. Yeah make it them first. Thank you so much, Raina. This was an incredible conversation. I really appreciate your time today and um, hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks so much. Thank you, Vicky and Laura. Thank you.